Backblaze is the easiest online backup solution available. Backup all your data, all your photographs, videos, documents, JetCom files, and more. Just $5 a month per computer. It's easy, fast, and loved by genealogists all over. Don't delay. Go to backblaze.com slash mag to get your easy, free trial today. Welcome to the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. In this September 2014 episode of the podcast, we're going to focus on your genealogy preparedness plan. We'll start over at the Genealogy Insider blog, where editor Diane Haddad will kick us off with her four pointers to preserve your family heirlooms in a disaster. Then in the top tips segment, the family curator, Denise Levenick, will be here. She's going to provide disaster preparedness and salvage tips. These come from her article called Your Genealogy Disaster Plan from the September issue of the magazine. In our 101 Best Websites segment, publisher Allison Dolan will give us a roundup of some of the sites and tools from the list that factor into your genealogy preparedness plan. And then it's over to the Family Tree University Crash Course segment. Tyler Moss will be here, and he and I will discuss genealogy estate planning from the video course, Don't Let Your Research Get Lost or Tossed. And finally, we will wrap it all up in the publisher's desk, where Allison Dolan will be back to share five things every family historian should do today. There is a lot to cover, so let's get to it. Our first stop is the publisher's desk with Allison Dolan. We're going to kick off this episode with news from the blog sphere, and here to give us the scoop is the genealogy insider blogger, Diane Haddad. Hi, Diane. Hi, Lisa. You know, in this um, episode, we're going to be talking about our genealogy preparedness plan. And Mm -hmm. notice that over at the Genealogy Insider blog, uh, you wrote a very applicable article on September 3rd. It's called Four Pointers to Preserve Your Family Heirlooms in a Disaster. Um, Share that with us because I think that's something everybody has on their mind. Yeah, and it's not really fun to think about, but people would, you know, if people took these steps, I think it would make things easier if, you know, something bad would happen. So the first step that you want to do is to make an inventory of what you have in your home that's a family heirloom. And this is a good step just for organization in general and also for insurance purposes. Take a picture of every item, um, write down a description of it and where it came from, and then where it is in your house. And then you can do that um, either in a document on your computer or you can actually do it on paper. And then keep a copy of it not in your house so that if something bad were to happen, you'd have a copy of this um, that's, you know, still available to you. That's a good idea. I mean, having it in a different location. And um, I could see that coming in handy, this whole idea of an inventory, just when you're looking for something that you've carefully tucked (laughs) away. I mean, yeah, we've all suffered from that. And um, the second item I see here on the list is prioritization. Um, That's a hard thing to do. Everything's so precious, but it's probably pretty important. 
And we've all heard that question before. Quick, what's the first thing you'd grab if you had to leave your house in a hurry because of a fire? So um, this lets you think about that ahead of time. And, of course, you're not always going to have time to grab anything. But if you do, you know, say, you know, you live in a place where there are forest fires, then you'll have your list of, you know, the five things that you want to make sure that you have with you. And you know exactly where to find them. Or, you know, if if you're not home and someone else is home taking care of those kinds of things, you know, they'll have your list and they'll know what you would want to have. Yeah, it kind of just takes one more little piece of stress out of the situation, hopefully. And Mm -hmm. like you say, particularly for somebody who um, is there when you're not. Great idea. And what's your third pointer? To talk to your insurance agent um, because... You want to make sure, you know, in all that fine print, are you going to be covered if X disaster occurs? You know, you might need to buy additional coverage for flooding or, you know, if a, if you have a sewer backup in your basement, that might not be included in your policy. And then some items are valuable enough where you need to purchase an additional um, coverage for that particular item. And usually for those kinds of things, you need to have an appraisal. Yeah, great idea. And I, I see that number four... The pointer is have a plan. And boy, is that what this episode's all us about. Tell yeah. us what you mean by that in your article. Yeah, well, you know, that's a disaster if something happens to... Um to you, you know, or to me, or <laughs> to any person, you want to make sure that your wishes are known as far as what's going to happen to your, to this, you know, precious family stuff, and then people know the stories behind these items, and then also um, your logins for your family tree information, or you know, where you keep all your digital photos, right. it's important to have that somewhere so that people can find that and retrieve all that stuff. You know, I really see a theme in all of this, which is that when disaster strikes, so does a lot of stress. And mm-hmm. just these four items that we can check off right off the bat yeah, can help reduce the stress and ensure that what you want to have happen uh, does happen. And that makes total sense. And as Diane mentions in her article, these four tips come from uh, the family curator, Denise Levenick. She's the author of the mm-hmm. book, How to Archive Family Keepsakes. And she's going to be here on this podcast episode today. So thank you so much, Diane, for uh, kicking us off to a great start. And we'll talk to you next month. You're welcome. Sounds great. What would become of your genealogy research in a fire or a flood or oh, a computer crash? Well, Denise Levenick is here to talk about a two-part plan to safeguard your family archive in the face of disaster. And this is coming from her article. It's called Your Genealogy Disaster Plan. It's in the September 2014 issue of Family Tree Magazine. Welcome back to the show, Denise. Hi, Lisa. Thanks so much for inviting me to talk with you today. You bet. And your article just fits in perfectly with this episode theme, uh, your genealogy preparedness plan. And you've really kind of covered all the bases. You've, I see it's kind of broken into two parts. We've got before the disaster strikes, and then we have after the disaster. And I'm guessing that uh, those listening are thinking, well, let's talk about before the disaster strikes, because uh, maybe I don't have all my ducks in a row quite yet. The first item in your list was learn your risks. What do you mean by that? 
Well, actually, I was quite surprised when I started researching for this article to find how much uh, risk all of us have every day. I mean, I live in Southern California, so I don't worry too much about hurricanes and tornadoes, Mm -hmm. but of course, earthquakes here. But I was just surprised to discover that, um, you know, water damage from so many different things can occur almost anywhere. Um, And it's not just uh, weather related, but if you live in a newer housing development, a lot of times the floodplain can be changed. And so where you didn't ever have any kind of um, water related flooding risk before, that may, you may now have that flooding risk. I was surprised to learn that. Yeah. In fact, I moved into a, a new neighborhood for us and talking to the neighbor about which way does the water go and what happens here because this is a totally different environment for me. You talk about um, there's a website, the Federal Alliance for Safe Homes Interactive Peril Map. This sounds very important. <laughs> well, it's it's really um, interesting when you when you go online to that site, and also um, another one, www.floodsmart.gov. You can look at flood maps for your area, and there's some simulators that show exactly what can happen. Um, you can just look at your neighborhood and see, oh my goodness, things have changed here. So we're used to, and I know you talk so much about Google Earth and locating your ancestors' homes, but mm-hmm. that terrain can change. And so the ho- where you live can be different than it was 200 years ago. Great. So we need to keep our eye on our environment, our ever-changing environment. Now, uh, you've got some other items in here, practicing prevention, prioritizing your keepsakes, which probably makes a lot of sense. You know, what are the top uh, items? Um, Digitizing to safeguard. And of course, checking our insurance, getting an insurance checkup. Things like we've got computer files to work with, so we've got to get those backed up and saving all of our passwords in case we have to get a hold of them. And then you talk about practicing smart storage. Tell us about that. How should we be storing our precious items? Well, digital copies, of course, are wonderful to have, and especially, you know, you have them in the cloud or store them on an external hard drive in someone else's home, or so they're not at risk at your own home. But I think a lot of us want to preserve the original documents that we've inherited. So, of course, you put those, I'm hoping, in acid-free um, archival boxes. And really, plastic is not a good choice for storing things like old um marriage certificates and just your very old papers because water can get into plastic and it can't easily get out. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that museums use these kind of cardboard archival boxes. And one of the reasons is because it breathes. If a little bit of moisture is in the room, heaven forbid, it can kind of evaporate and get out of the box. But in plastic, your stuff is stuck and it's going to get moldy and and can get mildewy. So um, if you're looking at, you know, you live in an area where you may be facing tornadoes or hurricanes especially or floods, uh, a wise thing to do, I think, is invest in a fireproof, waterproof safe. And yes, that's a plastic enclosure, but you can put um, silica gel packets inside there with your most 
absolute most precious items. And I was really surprised to find that these little safes, they come in all different sizes, um, are made by the Century Safe Company, centrysafe.com. And after Hurricane Sandy, uh, a family was at their mother's home and they were going through the rubble. There was really nothing, nothing left of the home. And they had this video on their website after the hurricane. And it was so moving when they discovered this little fire, waterproof, fireproof safe that their mother had kept her genealogy research in. Wow. And they opened it up and everything was intact. And it was, I was shocked. And it's a simple little thing. It's very heavy. So that probably helps keep it from floating away. And they're not terribly expensive. I've seen them for sale at, um, you know, Costco and the uh, hardware stores like Home Depot. So I, I was quite impressed with what you can do with your a small amount of things because you can't fit too much in there. But your other things, if you keep them in those archival boxes up off the floor in a good, a good place where it's not too wet, not too dry, the temperature is moderate, you're, you're going to be really protecting your heirlooms. It's so true. In fact, I remember when I was really getting into the digital age and we were starting to put things on CD and that type of thing, I went out and I got one of those little um, fireproof, waterproof safes. And mine has even a little handle. So I can pick it up and grab it and take it with me. And they are kind of heavy, but um, I can't imagine anything, you know, melting it down or, um, you know, having it, like you say, float away. It's not going to, it's awfully uh, heavy. But just for those really, really irreplaceable things, um, it's great. It's, it Mine's a little bit small, but you could even have one, like you say, that sits in a, in a closet or something a little larger to hold more of those items. Uh, what an an amazing investment. I mean, if, if nothing else, that would be something to invest in. Right, right. And you could also put an ex, a small external hard drive or DVDs with copies of your digital files inside there. Exactly. Now, you have here, uh, make a genealogy grab and go list, which makes uh, perfect sense. And I want to hear about create a genealogy disaster kit. What's in a disaster kit? Well, this is where you use your plastic box here, you know, your great big, <laughs> your great big tub. Um, and really, it's probably things that you have already in your home. And I, you don't need to have um go out and buy a special tub. But these are items that will be very useful after disaster hits. Now, no matter what kind of disaster you might encounter, um, water damage is primarily one of the big, um, the big after effects. So if you have a tub that you can fill with clean water and disposable gloves that you can wear, like, um, you know, uh, latex gloves. Um, also, you might want a face mask and mm -hmm. because you get a mold and mildew. You can use the tub for storage, and then you can use it as a washing station because uh, if your house gets flooded and you have photos that get wet and muddy, you need to rinse them off. So the tub, wax paper, which can be used to interleave wet papers and photos, uh, paper towels or some kind of blotting material, like even sheets, uh, plastic tarps or cotton sheets for to dry them on your photos. Uh, a fan is really helpful. If you know where there's a fan located, you can 
if you have electrical power, you could turn it on to help dry things out. Large plastic garbage bags and resealable freezer bags like Ziploc bags. And then some bottled water to rinse soiled items. And also it helps to just have some instructions. And I give a website where you can print those out, instructions on how to salvage wet photos and documents. So I think it puts us in pretty good shape, Lisa. Yeah, absolutely. Just like you say, making sure that all those things are in the house, even if you don't have the tub yet, just make sure that you have um, the items on hand. And it's interesting, you know, you threw it in there, freezer bags. And I noticed there's a little breakout box in your article about this. It's called salvage job. And you talk about you can air dry a wet photo, or you could even freeze them. You have to tell us what that's about. <laughs> well, the, what you're trying to do is halt the growth of mold and mildew. So yes. you've got to do that within 48 hours. And face it, you're probably going to be in shock from this disaster. So Air dry whatever you can. Lay stuff out. Uh, you know, if you have clothes pins, pin it up and let it dry. But what you can't dry out, you can freeze. Just layer the um, photos with a sheet of wax paper, if you have it, between each photo to give it some space and keep things from sticking together. Then seal the stacks of pictures in resealable plastic freezer bags and put them in your freezer or even the refrigerator. And when you defrost them, you need to bring them out, separate them, and air dry them. But it gives you some time. It's like a holding pattern, you know. Exactly. Buying yourself some time so you can get through the worst of the worst and then still have something to work with. These are all fantastic ideas. And um, I really encourage you to check out the September issue 2014 of Family Tree Magazine, because this article, Your Genealogy Disaster Plan by Denise May Levenick, is a keeper and one that you're going to want to comb through, cover all your bases. And then you can rest easy at night. And we certainly will with all these great ideas. Thank you so much, Denise, for joining us here on the show. You're welcome. Thanks, Lisa. In this 101 Best Websites for Tracing Your Roots segment, I've invited Allison Dolan, the publisher of Family Tree Magazine, to join me for a roundup of some of the sites and tools from our list that factor into your genealogy preparedness plan. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. You know, in this case, it's it's almost impossible to pick one. And um, I know that you have a couple of favorites among this list of, you know, sites and tools and things that can help us be prepared. What would be one of the first ones you'd pick out of the list? Well, we all have scanning projects and digital photography and other ways that we're managing photos and images in our family history. And I think Flickr is a great tool. Um, we've named that as one of the best websites for genealogy because mainly of all of the great photo collections that are stored on Flickr that you can access. But it's also a great tool for using um, in your own family history, your own photos to serve as sort of a backup and a sharing tool. You know, we've talked before about the idea of lots of copies keep things safe. And that's a great way to have alternate copies of your photos out there in the cloud where other people can access them. And then it also, you know, as a bonus, it's a collaborative tool that you can actually swap and share and coordinate with um, other members of your family where you can have like one giant photo archive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's got so many different features to it. And I know that you can set up an account 
um, you can get your free account and then you can set one up for the other members of your family. And like you say, really work together. Now, if you're new to Flickr, here's the, the key. It's F-L-I-C-K-R. There's no E-R in there. <laughs> so it's F-L-I-C-K-R.com. And that's a free service. Uh, all right. How about all of our notes and all that kind of stuff? Well, of course, we do a lot of note-taking and genealogy, and we talk a lot um, on this program and in our publication and in our educational programming about the free tool Evernote, um, which is a solution that is really ideal for backup because it creates and keeps copies of your notes in the cloud. So as you're doing your genealogy note-taking, it will sync across your other devices as well as your computer, your hard drive that you're working from. And so in the event that your hard drive or your laptop ends up in a flood or a fire or something and you can't retrieve those notes, they'll be right there for you from any computer that you might access from um, just because it's done that syncing into the cloud. Exactly. And it's free. I mean, to think that you're creating notes, you've got this great tool for your note taking and your sources. um, But it's automatically backing up for you, which is terrific. Um, And the other thing is, like you say, if you end up somewhere where you don't even have your computer with you, as long as you can tap onto somebody else's computer, you can go to evernote.com and sign into your account. And all your notes are there, which is fantastic. So that's a great advantage, let alone all the other wonderful things that Evernote does. And, you know, we were talking about backup. Now, Evernote and putting all of our notes in there, those are getting auto backed up, but then there's our entire hard drive. So what's one of your other favorite tools for for that um, backing up of your software? Well, everybody has a favorite family tree program that they use to input their data. And there's a service called Backup My Tree. It's from myheritage.com. And it will automatically back up your genealogy software files. I believe it works with pretty much all of the Windows programs. Um, so if you're using something like Roots Magic or Family Tree Maker or um, another program, it will automatically back up that data for you so that um, in the event that you do have a computer crash or worse, some kind of natural disaster, um, your data can be automatically synced back. Right. Back up my tree. And of course, our sponsor for this episode is Backblaze, and that's going to back up your entire hard drive uh, and your entire computer. And you can even have multiple computers. So, you know, nowadays we don't have to think about, oh my gosh, it's the last day of the month. I have to go in and manually update, you know, my backups. Services like these can just do it automatically, which I love. Um, And then, of course, there's all the major websites we're using. How do those play into our preparedness plan? Well, sure. I mean, if you think about it, what we talked about before in terms of lots of copies keep stuff safe, um, all those online tree management databases and tools that you can find on sites like Ancestry.com, Family Search, MyHeritage, Tribal Pages, and some of the others on our 101 Best Websites list. That's sort of a way of backing up your family tree, because if you have it hosted on another site, there's that data is there no matter what happens to the files on your computer or your hard drive or even in some other aspect of the cloud. So, you know, my opinion is, 
it's great to have it in lots of different places. Don't rely on just one service or backup. Um, having it in lots of places um, it just gives you more options to tap into it if the worst happens. And um, the key with those online family tree services, I think, is finding a system that's really effective for you and has the level of privacy that you're comfortable with and the terms and conditions that you're comfortable with. So take some time to read those terms and conditions and certainly picking a service that integrates with tools you're already using is a great strategy for kind of keeping things manageable. Yeah, it's a great idea. And in addition to just having that extra copy of your tree, you're also getting it out there so that you can potentially connect up with other cousins and people who might have information about your tree. And I don't know, I, I love having my stuff out there, attracting cousins as a backup to my system. But I think if we keep our eyes focused on where's the master, you know, so maybe your genealogy software on your hard drive is your master copy. That's where all the original edits happen. And then, uh, you know, putting copies of that up on these other services is is that great assurance that you've got something to turn to if for some reason something happens to your computer. But of course, if we're backing up our entire computer, we're going to be good to go anyway. All great ideas. I love it. There's so many wonderful um, tools to work with from the 101 best websites for tracing your roots list. And uh, you can turn to the show notes for more information about all the ones that we talked about here today with Allison. Thanks, Allison. We'll talk to you at the end of the show. Sounds good, Lisa. Thanks. As you heard at the top of the show, this episode is sponsored by Backblaze. It's the easiest online backup solution available. And I've invited Backblaze CEO Gleb Budman to join me for a few minutes to answer some very common questions about online backup. Welcome back to the show, Gleb. Thanks, Lisa. Good to be here. Gleb, why is just saving things to an external hard drive not enough to protect our files? It's great when people save stuff to an external hard drive, but there are some problems. One is that it's manual typically, which means people have to remember to do it and they have to find the right things to move over. And all of that means often it doesn't happen. So that's the first problem. Now, sometimes, like if you're using a Mac, people have Time Machine and it's more automatic. But the problem with an external hard drive is it's still local to your computer. So all of the typical things, many of the typical things that would uh, destroy data on your computer will destroy your backup as well. So if you have a fire, if you have a flood, if someone breaks into your house and steals your computer, they're not going to leave your external hard drive and go, you know what, I'll be nice and just leave it for you. <laughs> um, so those are some of the, the common things that we've seen. And, and we've had lots of people that we've seen where uh, they were backing up to an external hard drive and um, something happened to their computer and it destroyed their backup as well. Yeah, that's been kind of a reoccurring theme throughout this episode is in talking to different experts that it's it's really smart to have things in a completely different location. And that's what you're really talking about here. Now, some of the listeners out there, they may already have a service like iCloud or Google Drive or Dropbox. Does that mean that they already have all their stuff already backed up? Unfortunately, that's a common misconception. I've talked to lots of people that say, no, no, I'm all good. I have iCloud or I have Google Drive or Dropbox. And the problem is that the reality is 
their files are not actually backed up most likely in those services. So to give an example, um, with, with iCloud, your files from your computer aren't actually getting backed up. What iCloud does is it takes your photos and sends them to your computer and puts some of them temporarily in the cloud. But all of the files on your computer, your genealogy files, your spreadsheets, your work documents, none of that is actually ending up in iCloud. Um, and in things like Dropbox and Google Drive, if you manually pick and choose specific individual files to put into those folders, they do have a copy of them. But for all of the stuff on your computer, is not going to be in those services. And what's even scarier, and we've seen this happen a number of times, is you will potentially share the file with somebody. And by sharing that file with somebody or a folder with somebody, you're actually giving them access to not only delete it off of their machine but also automatically off of the Dropbox or off of Google Drive and even off of your computer itself. So it actually, it's almost the reverse of a backup. It actually in some ways increases your chances of losing data. Now, I love these services and I actually use all three of them for the, the actual purposes they were designed for, um, which is sharing files and synchronizing files between devices. But none of them are actually uh, a real backup for all of your data. Great point. And of course, that's exactly what Backblaze is designed for. It's not only that backup, but it's the restoration of our files. Tell folks who are listening um, how they can get started. How can they give Backblaze a try? Sure. They just go to backblaze.com slash family tree mag. And it's backblaze, B-A-C-K, blaze, B-L-A-Z-E slash family tree mag and there's a 15-day free trial there it's completely functional it'll take you about a minute to get started the entire experience is you simply enter your email address pick a password and click the download button that's it you're done we automatically will start backing up all of the files on your computer all of the files on your external hard drives if you have any and they'll just automatically get encrypted so that they're secure and they'll be backed up to the cloud. We provide completely unlimited amount of storage for all of your files. And if you decide you like the service, it's just $5 a month to keep it and you can have everything backed up automatically. You never have to do anything. And when it's time to restore data, you can recover it by downloading it you can have us FedEx you a USB drive or a USB flash key, or you can even access it on your iPhone or Android phone. Um, and you can get access to a single file or you can get all of your data back, whatever you want. Oh, sounds perfect. It sounds like the easiest way to get online backup. And uh, you can learn all about it. Get the link directly to backblaze.com slash family tree mag at the show notes for this episode, familytreemagazine.com slash podcast. Gleb, always nice to see you at uh, the genealogy conferences. Thanks so much for helping genealogists keep their files safe. You as well. Looking forward to it. Well, as you know, our theme for this podcast episode is your genealogy preparedness plan. And here in the Family Tree University Crash Course segment, Tyler Moss is here with some other ideas about ways in which we can get prepared to uh, take good care of our genealogy research now and for future generations. Hi, Tyler. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. 
you know, we've been talking about all these different ways in which we can kind of make sure that we're covering all the bases and, and being prepared to take good care of our research from, you know, disaster preparation and salvage tips. But there's another disaster that can happen, which is what happens to research that isn't taken care of and planned for after we're gone. And I believe there's been a video on that um, in one of the virtual conferences. Is that right? That's right, Lisa. In our most recent virtual conference, we had a video actually from Denise Lovenick, who you're having talk on this uh, exact episode, I believe. Um, but this particular video that she did was called Genealogy Estate Planning. Don't let your research get lost or tossed. And this was a half-hour video that really discussed, you know, the aspect of genealogy we really don't think about, which is when we pass on, who is going to inherit, you know, all the hard research and, you know, facts that we've collected about our family throughout the years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're we're very in the moment. <laughs> we know we're doing all the right things. We've been, uh, you know, taking good care of things along the way. But then there's what happens after us. And what are some of the ideas that she gives in that video as far as um, how do, how do you help kind of incorporate your research into your state planning? Well, I think that the main point that she really hammers home while she discusses a number of different strategies is that you really have to plan ahead. And I think the problem is that it's just a difficult thing to, to have to think about, you know. Um, there's um, many different things that can happen when you really think about it uh, to your genealogy after you pass, whether that, you know, it remains in the family or it's given to a colleague, donated to an institution, or in worst case scenario, it's donated to a thrift store or even tossed in the trash. So you really have to be planning ahead. You have to know what you have and decide what goes where. You know, is there certain specific pieces you want to send to, you know, one family member and certain pieces you want to send to another? Is it something you do want to think about donating to an institution? And if so, which institution? Um, it's also important to determine the significance of the items, especially if you're including, you know, family heirlooms. And that includes determining the value and evaluating, appraising, and ensuring everything. Um, and really, just writing down your wishes, so that way it's very clear what you want done when you're no longer there to say it in person. Exactly. There's a lot we can do now. Like you were saying, you could be talking to, and really, you know, I always recommend to my listeners to um, keep an eye out to identify who's the person who will kind of be the keeper. And it doesn't have to be uh, the next genealogist in the family. It just needs to be somebody who's got a firm understanding of what it is you're trying to accomplish and the value in the research so that if they're not a genealogist, they will be committed to finding that next family historian. And sometimes it's a direct descendant, but sometimes it's a niece or a nephew or a cousin. And um, having that, I call them the caretaker, you know, somebody who's going to take that role to make sure that it moves on to the next place. And And you mentioned in terms of we can actually donate our uh, research to repositories and libraries. And I think um, in that case, it's important to really sit down and talk with that archive or repository to understand what they do with it. Because once we hand it over, then it's legally theirs and it, they can decide if down the road they don't have space for it, they can get rid of it. So um, really making sure that we understand what's the future and that everybody's on the same page. And uh, uh, I know there's lots of resources out there that can help us with that. 
is there something specific that Denise talks about in terms of um, if we want to donate our stuff to an archive or a library? You know, how does a person even figure out how to do that? Well, so she talks about a step-by-step donation worksheet that she includes in the video um, and talks about specifically what archives are looking for, which I think is the most important part. And I think, you know, there's just so many different places that you have to go and, and reach out to them yourselves. But the things that she says, in her, according to her video, that archives are looking for are things such as photos and letters, documents from people of local significance, things that will add to um, the context of local history, items related to historic events as seen through the eyes of a community member, or, um, you know, local associations with famous people, events, or businesses. And so those are the sort of things that you have to keep in mind when you're going through your items about what exactly you'd want to be presenting to the archive or society that you are thinking of donating to. And I think that you just need to kind of come up with a list of different places you would be interested in and, and reach out to all of them. Yeah, and the Society of American Archivists has a great little free brochure. There's actually, I believe, two of them on their website um, that will kind of help you with that process of donating your personal or family papers to a repository. And um, it's at archivist.org. And it's actually www.archivist.org. I will put the entire link directly to the brochures in the show notes, because um, that can help get people uh, up and running very quickly. And then of course, um, there's this terrific video, which really covers all the different aspects, not just donations, but um, the whole idea, the whole concept of estate planning, which it can, is so critical. And uh, it's by our own Denise Lebanek, who was here earlier on the podcast. So we'll have a link to that video in the show notes. Uh, great ideas. Thank you so much, Tyler. We'll talk to you next month. Sounds good. Talk to you then. It's time to head back to the publisher's desk with our very own Allison Dolan. Welcome back, Allison. Hi, Lisa. You covered some great tools that we could work with in the 101 Best Websites uh, segment. And we've covered a lot of ground overall, kind of in developing our genealogy preparedness plan here on this episode. So let's wrap it up with a few more of your favorites. How about five things every family historian should do today? Yeah, this is great for me because I think it encapsulates everything that we've probably talked about throughout the episode into five concrete steps that you can take now to make sure that you are ready in case something happens. So the first thing, back up, back up, back up. We've talked about this throughout the episode, how important it is to have those backups. So whether you're doing it to the cloud, to CDs, flash drives, what have you, um, I would recommend multiple steps, actually. Make sure that you take that step to get your data backed up so that your um, data is safe and you're not sorry later. Yep, I think that'll be our mantra. All right, number two. (laughs) Number two. We've talked a bit, too, about lots of copies keep stuff safe. Make sure that you give copies to someone else somewhere else. The last thing you want is to have your data backed up on a flash drive that's in your home so that it's also lost if an emergency takes place. If you have it at Aunt Lucy's house, 150 miles away, um, it may be more likely to um, survive if something like a natural disaster happens. So make sure that you've got multiple copies of your data and that you aren't storing all of those copies in one location where they would be vulnerable to a disaster. 
good point. And, and like Denise said earlier in the show about um, even having that little fire safe, that portable one that you can grab and put in a flash drive full of the most important things. I mean, it just cannot hurt. All right, number three. Number three, purge the unimportant. So I think one of the things that people struggle with with backups and managing all of the files and ensuring that all of your materials are safe is that you have so much stuff because let's face it, genealogists like to collect things. (laughs) That's what we do. Um, But, you know, one thing that I found is that you have to keep it manageable. So, you know, don't keep every scrap of paper. Weed out what you can that's not truly important. Um, You know, all of the papers, you don't need to have seven copies of everything. you know, heirlooms to you know, what's truly valuable, what isn't. If you keep it to what's truly important, it's a lot easier to prioritize what you want to get out or store in a different way or someplace else. Um, managing all of that becomes so much easier when you're really focusing on the things that are truly important and meaningful as opposed to trying to control everything. Yeah, and and you mentioned Evernote uh, in the 101 list. And, you know, if you're really struggling, just scan it, throw it into Evernote, and then toss the paper. (laughs) At least that way, you know, there's a copy you can put your hands on if you need to, but it's not, you know, swarming over your desk. All right, number four. Number four, my tip is to have an action plan. So the last thing that you want to be thinking about when um, you know, if there's an earthquake or a tornado or a flood or even a computer crash is, oh no, what do I do now? If you have some concrete steps laid out of what you're going to do, um, it's going to be so much easier for you to just put that plan in place, act and take care of it than it is if you aren't ready. So part of this episode, what inspired is helping you create that action plan. So hopefully you've gotten some good tips um, from our interviews today to help you create that action plan for yourself. Oh, yeah. And Denise's article as well. I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, when we're in a panic, it's hard to think straight. Thinking it through in the the uh, c- comfort of safety at the time where everything is working wonderfully, that's the time to lay it out. And then you can just turn to it. And not have to worry about thinking it all through then. Great idea. And how about number five? What's our wrap up? My last suggestion is no matter what, be safe. You know, I hear so many things on the news about, you know, a fire that happened or an earthquake or some kind of disaster and people are totally just devastated by what has happened in their lives. And while it's great to want to keep all of your things, the most important thing is to make sure that you take care of you. So when you're working on your action plan, you know, having something that you can quickly grab and run out of the house with is ideal. Um, You don't want to be worrying about a photo album when your life might potentially be at stake. So make sure you take that into consideration. That's right. We can always go back and do it again, (laughs) which could be kind of fun, but uh, no. As we always say, the living come first, right? Yeah, just keep things in perspective and make sure that you're taking care of you. Ah, Great ideas. Great way to wrap up a really um, important episode. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next month. Thanks, Lisa. (laughs) 
Thanks so much for joining me for this September 2014 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast. It's the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Here are a couple of action items for you until we meet here again next month. First, be sure and check out Denise Levenick's article. It's called Your Genealogy Disaster Plan. It's in the September issue of Family Tree Magazine. You can subscribe to a full year or just order the paper or digital version of the September issue at shopfamilytree.com. Next, head on over to familytreemagazine.com slash podcast. There you're going to find the show notes for this episode that include information and website links for everything that we've covered on today's show, including those four websites that Allison mentioned, and those free brochures about donating your family history that I talked about in the Family Tree University Crash Course segment. And of course, everything else that we talked about in the episode. Thanks again for joining me today. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I invite you to visit me at my website, genealogygems.com. There you can listen to my free podcast, the Genealogy Gems podcast, which is also available for free, like this show, through iTunes. Until next time, have fun climbing your family tree. Backblaze is the easiest online backup solution available. Backup all your data, all your photographs, videos, documents, JetCom files, and more. Just $5 a month per computer. It's easy, fast, and loved by genealogists all over. Don't delay. Go to backblaze.com slash family tree mag to get your easy free trial today.